Good evening, everybody. It's time to begin our service this evening. Uh, I will warn everybody beforehand, I was having a little bit of trouble with the displays. So if I look back and I see Thomas going like this, that means I need to uh, pull an audible and change some songs up. So, uh, well, tonight we'll have three songs, and then Hunter will have our reading and prayer. Uh, one more song, and then we'll have our lesson this evening. Our first song tonight is on the overhead only. It's Highly Exalted. Highly Exalted. If you would let stand for this song, please. You were defied, you were rejected, Lord, those who passed by, even averted their gaze from the sight. Such was the suffering you bore for us. The lad like a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter, you spoke not a word, but chose to be silent, though you didn't wrong, nor was deceitfulness. <coughs> Our next song is number 684. 684. This world is not my home. 
next song before our reading and prayer is Living Hope. Living Hope.
Good evening. Feels good to be able to walk up here without a, a limp and, you know, take an extra couple of seconds. Uh, the scripture reading this evening is going to come from Luke chapter 12. It's verses 13 through 21, reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man has a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have stored enough away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Then God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for another blessed Lord day. The opportunity to gather here and to worship you and to bring praise to your name. Pray that you be with those on the sick list, those who aren't able to make it out. Put your hand over them. Keep them safe, healthy. Bring them back to us. Be with us, help us to open our minds and our hearts as Chris presents a lesson before us. Help us to learn more about you, to use it in ways that bring glory and honor to you. Uh, let us build a relationship and be rich spiritually and, and not with physical things as that does not bring us closer to you. Pray that you be with each and every one of us as we leave here. Keep us safe, bring us back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Next song this evening is number 44, Anywhere's Home, 44. Uh, if you would, let's stand for this one again, too, please. 44. Our song of invitation this evening is uh, What the Lord Has Done in Me. Earthly wealth and fame. 
Good evening. It's good to see each one of you with us this evening. Uh, we've done a couple of community seminars. It's what we've been labeling them as uh, this year. Where we've talked about a variety of topics that are hopefully of interest, uh, not just to us in the church, but also to our friends uh, out in the world. And one of the ones that we talked about Tuesday uh, was preparing for your funeral. So we brought Ernie Hall from Hall's Funeral Home in. And he talked to us about some of the practical things that you'll need to know before you pass away. Some, some really um, things that you need to think about. Some, some, some practical information that maybe a lot of us haven't thought about. Um, living, us, uh, living wills and uh, estate planning. And, and do your children know and your grandchildren and your family, do they know what you want done with your remains? Do they know what songs you want sang at your funeral? Have you made your plans for that aspect of your life. It's something that comes to all of us, right? Uh, and so the, the smart thing to do, um, I think that the compassionate thing to do when you're in that position, uh, if you're afforded that opportunity to be able to plan out your own funeral, I think it's a good thing. Uh, if you've planned out someone that you loved funeral, you're not in a good headspace as that is happening to make wise decisions um, and I remember when my brother passed away in 2019, uh, my mom and I were doing that, and, and we were both just kind of in this, this weird haze. So I think that that's helpful for us, practically speaking. But I think the, the spiritual component of this question is obviously much more pivotal for us. So let's talk about preparing for your funeral. Are you ready? In the passage that, uh, that Hunter read for us tonight in Luke chapter 12, you find a guy who thought he was ready. I think if you'd asked this guy if he was ready, he would have not understood what you were talking about. Are, are you prepared uh, to die? I, I think that question probably would have gone over his head. Here's what I mean. Had he planned out his funeral? We don't, we don't know any of the details about this guy. This is, this is one of Jesus' parables, right? So we're not afforded details like that, but stop and think about this, because you know this guy, right? You, you know this person. You have somebody like this in your life who is well-to-do, maybe, maybe not wealthy, but focused on financial affairs. That, that's who this guy is. Um, he is that person. He's focused on 
financial stuff. And so he's taken care of the financial side of his life. Has this guy planned his funeral? I bet he has. Here's one of the little tidbits that Ernie let us in on. If you lock your price in now in 2023, you die in 2050 or 2070, you pay the 2023 price. I thought that was kind of cool. It's like a rebate for your death. So I thought that was neat. So I bet this guy looked at that and thought, I need to plan my funeral because I'm really saving something. Not, not only am I saving my, my family the heartache and the, 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 the turmoil that that sends people through, because it's hard, right? Um, it's hard to know. And I, I've seen so many families just, just wonder, well, is that what they wanted? You know, and you've probably thought that. Is, that, is this what this person wanted? Uh, and, and so much grief has been bound up into that question uh, because their loved one never made it known. But this guy, I bet he planned his funeral because of that rebate. Um, I think he would have been focused on financial stuff. He's that guy. The problem is he never thought about spiritual things. Is it wrong to focus on financial things? Of course not, right? Every one of you has got a bank account, and if you don't balance your checkbook, if you don't balance your online banking account, problems arise, right? There's aspects to this that we all obviously need to focus on, right? That we need to pay attention to. We need to take care of these things, but not to the exclusion and not that can't be our primary focus. And I think it was this guy's. I say that because when he tore down his barns, there's nothing wrong with tearing down his barns, right? If you're, if you're there in Luke 12, verse 13, and following as Jesus tells this story, um, you'll see him doing a couple things that there's nothing in the world wrong with. He's had a good year. Great. God gives good gifts. This must be from, from heaven. Great. He's had a bumper crop. So he tears down his old barns, he builds back new ones, and he fills those with, with, uh, with, his, with his crop. Nothing he's done so far has been wrong, has been sinful. Nothing he's done so far has even been a bad idea. It's not until the end of the story when we find out that this guy's been focusing on something that in the long run, in the end, didn't really matter. He's been called up with the financial affairs, and he hasn't had any time to focus on what really matters. He hasn't prepared his soul for his funeral. It's often said that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Have you heard that? We used to say that a lot. I don't know if it's so, 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 uh, such a sentiment here in the north, but in the south I heard that all the time growing up. If, if you flip over to... Uh, John chapter 14, this is where that thought comes from. John chapter 14, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Are, are you prepared to go to heaven? Have you planned your funeral? M much more importantly than the financial side of it, have you planned for what happens after the funeral? John chapter 14, the apostles are in some turmoil of their own. They have finally figured out that Jesus is saying that he's going away. I don't think they comprehend just yet what that really means, but they know he's going away. And they're upset would be an understatement. They're a little bit uh, frantic, I suppose. And so he calms them down, at least attempts to calm them, with, Luke, or with John 14. Uh, starting in verse 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's a prepared place, right? Jesus spent an awful lot of time, the Lord has spent an awful lot of time preparing heaven for us. It might behoove us to spend just as much of our life preparing for heaven, right? We spend an awful lot of time preparing for things that really don't matter. A lot of times we're like this rich fool, is what the Lord calls this guy. He doesn't use that word often, and he doesn't use it lightly. But he uses it in relation to this guy. And we'll talk about one more in just a minute, where he uses the word fool. But that's what this man is, because he's been living as if God doesn't exist. Hold your finger in John 14. We may come back there, but flip over to Psalm 14. Psalm chapter 14. The book of Proverbs has an awful lot to say about the fool. In fact, Proverbs talks about the fool 40 times. Do you know that? 40 times the book of Proverbs talks about the fool. It's mentioned several times in the book of Psalms. One of those is in chapter 14. Psalm chapter 14, verse 1. Listen to how God defines what a fool is. How, how would you define what a fool is? Listen to how God defines what a fool is. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. How does the Lord define what a fool is? What someone who lives as if he's not real. That's what is undergirding their thinking. That's why they do the things that they do. They live as if he's not real. Some of us proclaim that the Lord lives, that he really was resurrected, that we're Christians baptized into his name, bought with his blood, but we don't act like it. We live lives to ourselves. When Paul says in the book of Colossians, that my life is what? In Christ. He's everything. So when I'm living for me, for my agenda, doing the things that I want, I'm a fool. That's what he says in Psalm 14. When I live the way that I want to live, I'm being foolish. He's going to bring it up again, right? In Matthew chapter 7, when he talks about the two men who build. We sing that as a children's song during VBS, don't we? But it's the most scriptural song we sing. You know that? It comes straight from scripture. The wise man built his house on the rock. What's the rock? In Matthew chapter 7, what's the rock the wise man built his house on? You go back and look at the context, and it's Jesus' word. Scripture. Foolish man builds his house on the sand. These are things that won't hold you up. Your, agenda, your ideals and your agenda and my agenda and the way that I want to live my life. He says, that's just saying. In fact, we sing a song that might help us with that. It's just all other is sinking sand. Yeah. It's all, everywhere else is sinking sand. But only on his word and me living like it. Not just reading and like a man turning away from his face, uh, looking at a mirror and turning away, forgets what he looks like, but me 
reading his word and obeying it. That person's not a fool. There's a guy, there's a woman who has bought into what Jesus has said and believes it. That person's prepared for their funeral. Everyone else can come sit in a building and they can sing the songs and, and they can pray. But if, we're, if our lives are not in line with who he would have us to be, we're not ready. We're like this foolish man in Luke 12. In his opening this morning, Gary mentioned uh, the, the thousands of sacrifices. I think it's 120,000 sheep, several hundred, several, several thousand uh, other sacrifices. It, it's actually in 2 Kings 8. Uh, it's where Solomon dedicates the temple. If you've never read that section of the Old Testament, you need to read it. Um, what is Solomon doing with that? Why, why, is he, why is he sacrificing this enormous amounts of animals? Um, I mean, it, 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 would, it would have been catastrophic, you know, for their, for their uh, economy. He is attempting to bankrupt them, I suppose. I, I don't know a, a better way to, to phrase that, but he is, he's, he's pulling out all the, all the stops. Everything he's got, he's throwing it down in sacrifice to God. Why is he doing that? He's trying to make the people worthy of the God they're about to start serving in this house. He's preparing them. Right? Solomon's attempting to prepare the people. He's trying to make them holy. That's what sacrifices do in the Old Testament. Right? That was their ideal. That's why they existed. And so Solomon is attempting to make the people worthy of serving the God that they're about to come in contact with. They found out what that God was like in, on Mount Sinai several hundred years earlier when he comes down in thunders and lightnings and don't touch the mountain because you're unclean and this God is pure and he can't be a part of sin. You, you can't have a tight-knit relationship with him. So fast forward, what, 400 years, 450 years in the future, Solomon remembers the stories Moses told that he wrote down, Right? He's read those things. He's no doubt had his father who has been preparing the, uh, the, the, the instruments for the temple, the wood and all the things that Solomon's going to build the temple with. David's been preparing those things for 40 years. For most of his lifetime, David's been preparing the, the, the temple. Now Solomon says, I've got all the, all the things I need to build the temple, but the people, the people still aren't ready i got to make them ready. i got to find a way to make them pure. i got to figure out how to make them holy. Happily, God had already given him the how, right? But how much more so in Christ ought we to be ready? If we're living like God is not real, we would never profess that, but sometimes we live like that obviously to our detriment in Matthew 25 we talked about this a little bit Wednesday night in our invitation but Jesus tells a story about ten virgins five were prepared they unlike the foolish man in Luke 12 had taken care of their of the spiritual things then he tells us about the five foolish virgins they weren't prepared 
Did you know God calls certain people fools? These five foolish virgins were living like he wasn't coming back. Did they know he was coming back? Did they know that the groom was coming? They did, right? We would identify with these people, with these five foolish virgins. We would identify with them. They were cognizant. They were aware of the idea that he was coming, but they didn't live like it. Isn't that scary? To have the head knowledge, but it never to be able to come out of your hands. To, ha- to know that he's coming back, but then not to bring the oil. To know that he's coming back, but never to put in place the spiritual disciplines or the self-control that's necessary to live the life that's pleasing to him. Are we ready? Several years ago, Tim McGraw sings this song, Live Like You're Dying, right? Uh, where he pictured, I can't believe I'm referencing a Tim McGraw song, but sorry, it just it came to mind. Uh, he, he talks about the adventures you're going to have. and He says, uh, if you're sitting in a doctor's office and they give you six to eight months to live, what are you going to do with that time? It's precious now, right? Sometimes we treat time as, kind of treat it frivolously sometimes, unless we have one of those wake-up moments. But if you're sitting in that office and they say, Maybe six months, maybe eight. That time all of a sudden becomes a whole lot more precious, doesn't it? And McGraw pictures you as, as riding on a bull and going skydiving, all that stuff. can't say I recommend the song, but it's catchy. Um, but w- what would you do with that time if it were limited? Do you realize it is limited? That we're all hurtling toward that moment in time when God will demand our souls of us. Let's spend our time evangelizing, discipling, encouraging, evaluating my own heart. That's how I know if I'm ready. It takes an awful lot of evaluation. It takes an awful lot of looking at me, honestly looking at me in the mirror and thinking, I thought I had it together, but I don't. I thought I was doing okay, but I'm not. And I can do so much better. Next thing we need to talk about, something that Ernie talked about a lot in his, in his, uh, in his lesson for Sun, uh, Tuesday. If you want to watch that, it's still on our YouTube, and it'll be on our Facebook and YouTube forever. <laughs> um, so uh, go back and watch, the, watch that if you want to. He shared a lot of really good information. But one of the things he talked a lot about was, does your family know what you want? Um, he talked about that, obviously, from the, from the physical side? Uh, do they know your wishes uh, about cremation or burial and where you're going to be buried, which, which cemetery you'll be buried in, which funeral home takes care of the arrangements, all those kinds of things. He covered a lot of that kind of stuff. But does your family know how you would have them to love the Lord after you're gone? Flip back over to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua's folks They had no doubt what he wanted for them after he was gone. Because he told them, right? Joshua 24, verses 15 and 16. Listen to what Joshua says. He's at the end of his life. Joshua's an old man. He's going to die at 110 years old. He's seen all the things. Um, He was there in Egypt as a slave. He was a young man then. He follows Moses out of 
um, out of uh, slavery. He walks through the Red Sea. He, he eats the manna. <coughs> he drinks the water from the rock. He sees all that stuff. He watches one by one as all the ones over 20, year old, over 20 years old die in the wilderness. And he and Caleb are the last ones left. Even Moses is gone. And now, over the last couple seasons, I'm not exactly sure how long it, take the, it took them to, to uh, canvas the, the, the promised land to take it over. But however long it's been, he's won every battle. Everything's gone great. The people are still in their saddlebags carrying idols. And they're certainly still carrying idols in their hearts. And he's afraid that as he dies, he's not going to be able to have his thumb on these people anymore. He's not going to be able to, to push them back into righteousness. You ever feel like that? When I'm gone, how will my family react to Christ? Because I, I won't be able to motivate them anymore. I won't be able to have my finger on them anymore. My influence will be gone. So, how do you, what do you do? How do you do that? Well, here's what Joshua does, and we can certainly take a note or two from him. Joshua 24, uh, starting in verse 14, he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the, in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're, we're going to serve the Lord. So he told them, right? And you need to tell your family, just like with planning your funeral, you need to let your family know what your wishes are. You need to let your family know, and I know you have, where you stand spiritually, right? That, that makes a lot of sense. You need to let your family know where you stand spiritually. But you know what the kicker is here? You can say that all you want, but if they don't see it, what you say doesn't matter all that much. You ever known any, any, anybody like that? They say one thing, but they do another. Do you respect what they say? We don't, do we? So we need to tell our children and our nieces and our nephews and our uncles and our cousins and our everybody, we need to tell them where we stand spiritually. This is the standard God has laid for me, and I, I, I will not fall short of it. The punishment is too great, and the reward is too vast for me to fall. I won't do it. I will be faithful. Our families need to hear that. But more importantly than even hearing that, they need to see that in our lives. That you're completely devoted to Him. That sports doesn't take you away from worship. They need to see your Bible open at home. They need to hear the prayers at home. They need to have the family devotionals at home. They need to see your radical generosity. 
And they see your kindness. And they see you spending time with God. That it's changed you. That He's changed you. They need to see those things. If they don't say if they don't see those things, what you say does not matter. I tell my kids every day to eat their vegetables. You know what I'm afraid they're going to do? Not eat their vegetables. Because I don't eat my vegetables. I tell them to love the Lord. You know what I hope they'll do? I hope they see that I love them. More than I love anything else out here. That he's willing to sacrifice not just money for, not just time for. He's willing to sacrifice everything for. If we don't believe that, it doesn't matter what you say. They're going to hear, be half-hearted. They're going to hear, it's enough to come sit in a pew. So are you ready? Have you allowed your family to know your wishes? Are they aware of where you stand spiritually? Where, where do you stand spiritually? Are you struggling today? We would love the opportunity to make your, rela- your relationship with God right, to put you back in right standing with Him this evening. If you've not been baptized to have your sins washed away. That's, that's the initial step, and life gets so much richer beyond that moment. Maybe you've already made that decision this evening in your struggle. We want to pray for you that you can be everything God would have you to be. If you have any need this evening, why don't you come as we stand and sing?
Good evening, church family. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder that uh, this coming Monday is the ladies' class at 10 uh, here at the building. All ladies are encouraged to come to that. And also uh, that Tuesday at 1030 is Young at Heart. Um, and this coming Thursday is a cookie exchange for all the ladies at uh, Linda White's house at 630. Um, also, December 17th is the holiday gift exchange for 6th grade and under at Aaron Carver's house. Um, also, if you have not signed up, for, if you have a child going to CYC, sign them up before you leave. Uh, there's a sign sheet out there in the foyer table in front of the TV. Um, also, um, the mission team is needing uh, ribbon and bows and boxes for holiday gift wrapping at Huntington Mall. If you can help out with that, please see Marvin. Uh, spare time is this uh, is next Sunday on the 17th from 8 to 11. Everyone is invited to that. Um, also, uh, Mally uh, Williams is heading to Ecuador, and she's trying to raise money um, for Ecuador for Harding. And if you can help out with that, there's envelopes out in the foyer table. Uh, please grab one um, before you leave. Also, if you find yourself without plans during uh, uh, the holidays, uh, you're invited to a meal here at the building uh, after services on the 24th. Um, also, we'll have a service at 1 o'clock that day, um, but food will be provided. If you're going to be here for that, please sign up on the green sheet in the foyer as well for that. Uh, and you have to sign up by Wednesday the 20th. Updates on our prayer list. Remember to continue to keep uh, Jimmy Wilgus in your prayers. Uh, talk to him today. He's doing really good. Um, in fact, he's doing so good he doesn't, have a, he doesn't have to head back to Columbus for three months. So that's great news. Um, so remember to keep him in your prayers, though, as he still has doctor's visits here. Uh, keep Jim Martin in your prayers and keep Jackie Hutchison in your prayers as well. Uh, keep Judy and Marvin Jordan and Tony Mead in your prayers as they deal with COVID. Uh, so many others dealing with COVID right now that we don't know, but um, keep those people in your prayers. And remember, continue to keep Friday Simpson and David <coughs> Halk in your prayers as well. And it was good to see Jerry Stevens here with us this morning. Uh, still keep him in your prayers as he recovers from his recent surgery. That's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Our last song this evening is number 971. 971, Restore My Soul. After this, uh, we'll have a prayer. Jim Haney will have a prayer. I know it was you, but you confused me a little bit. <laughs> 971. Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restore. My heart is weary, please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more, drink from your word. Renew my love, refill my faith, oh, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, defend my soul. Oh, my God. 
Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you that you have given us another day and opportunities to assemble and to worship you. And we pray, Father, that our worship service has been pleasing in your sight. Father, we pray that you will be with the sick and so many on our prayer list, so many in our hearts and our families. We just pray that you will reach out and touch and comfort and strengthen them as only you can. Father, we pray that you'll go with us through this week and the issues and things that we have to deal with in our lives. Help us to look to you to give us strength, to help us make the right decisions, be with those who are suffering spiritually and just help them and help them to return and come back to you. Be with us now, Father, as we leave and be with us forever. And whenever you are finished with us on this earth, we pray that you give us a peaceful hour to depart and you'll give us at home in heaven with you. Lord, we pray in Christ's name and amen.